Hello and welcome to Life with Ed, the podcast. I'm Julia Wirth, your host, a registered dietitian in New Haven, Connecticut, and I'm really excited for this episode. This is the fourth episode in season two. So, you know, the first one was just me talking to myself about why we're back and why I'm so excited to be back. Then we had Rachel and Natalia talking all about COVID and the changes. Last week, Nina Gilbert joined me and we discussed parenting through this crazy time of treatment and eating disorder recovery. And this week, I am really, really excited. It's a very different type of episode. Um... And I can't wait to share it with you, but I'm excited to announce that Christine Flynn, um, the podcaster behind Catholic Mama, the Catholic Mama, um, is joining me. Um, This is a topic that I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast really since the very first guest I had, Tara, um, who is one of my good friends and recovered from an eating disorder. Um, Tara really found um, faith, a faith and a religion during her eating disorder recovery. Um, she's about to be ordained as a Unitarian Universalist minister, so totally different from me as a Catholic um, and from Christine. Um, but it, I just found it fascinating that she really found faith to be what finally got her to recover and gave her a reason for recovery and a reason for life and all of that. So um, Christine Flynn also had an eating disorder and really struggled with her body um, for a lot of her life before she converted to Catholicism. And then in Catholicism, she will talk about in this episode, you know, how she has found, you know, peace with her body and a lot of reasons why the Catholic faith can be helpful in, in learning to love and appreciate your body. So you know, if you're not Catholic, I think it's very it's going to be a very fascinating episode. And even if you are Catholic, um, you will probably learn something because I learn something from Christine every time I listen to one of her podcast episodes. Um, I think sometimes converts know more of the ins and outs of the Catholic faith than those of us who were born um, into it. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. It really will take you on a on a journey around how faith, uh, and specifically the Catholic faith, might be a, a source of help in your recovery or your child's recovery from an eating disorder. So um, hopefully you enjoy this. Well, welcome, Christine. It's so nice to have you on the podcast. Um, and I would just love it if you could give my listeners a little like intro about you. So your name, who you are, what you do. Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, so I'm Christine Flynn. I am a Catholic uh, and a convert to Catholicism. I am a wife and mother of four children with another on the way. Yeah, so exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And it's great that you actually um, reached out to me now because about a, two weeks ago, I would have said, I can't. I was in the throes of really bad morning sickness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I finally, I got yeah. energy back and I can, you know, just move without feeling like I'm going to be sick. So yeah, so all good. Um, and then I also, I, the last few years, I've been podcasting myself at uh, the Catholic Mama. I also have a website. I don't do as much on there. Uh, you know, it's I hard to you. find time for yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also I'm a writer. Um, I have my first book being published by Catholic Answers uh, this later this year in the fall of 2022, I believe. And that's um, going through my story, my journey from um, I was a new age for a long time. 
and uh, then became an atheist and then finally came to Christianity and to Catholicism. So it, it's interesting. I, there's a good chunk of the book that I have to deal with, the, you know, I, the eating disorder and my, um, my issues with my own uh, sense of uh, the goodness of the body. Mm-hmm. I had, a, you know, I struggled with all of that when I was not Catholic um, yeah. and, and finally found peace in this faith. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, could you tell my listeners a little bit more about your eating disorder? A lot of guests who've been on podcasts either have had an eating disorder or are um, professionals in the field, but most sure. professionals in the field, like have had an eating disorder. So. Yeah. That's probably why it gets you interested in it in the first yeah, place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wound up with a, uh, anorexia when I was in my teens, uh, which led to eventually my body just being so, um, undernourished that I wound up with um, a really, really bad case of food poisoning and needed yeah. blood transfusions and all this stuff. So my, uh, I, I wasn't actually anorexic, you know, the really competitive part of me seeking to see how little I could eat and trying mm-hmm. to better every day to see if I could eat a little bit less. Yeah. That, that only lasted, um, maybe six months. Uh, but the, the, um, Oh, the, the, the anger that I had with my body or the hatred that I had of it and how I would eat and approach food lasted from probably the ages of 13 to about 32 or 33. Yeah. So about about a 20 year. A story that I feel like so many patients of mine and just people, you know, like have, like they, they, maybe they recover from their eating disorder, but they never really get over that, you know, hatred of their body until they find some real reason to. Yeah. Um, And so that kind of brings me to one of my questions for you is like, a lot of reasons that I wanted to have you on and talk about faith in the intersection with eating disorders is that I, when I talk to patients, like we get to this question of, okay, well, why, why do I care that you are healthy and that your body is how it's, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be. And Mm -hmm. why is it just as good that your body is this way as someone else's body is, is that way. And those questions are really hard to answer without, you know, a common religion or at least like a religion or faith for someone. So how has your answers to those changed with your faith? Uh, So back when I was new age, which was most of my life, um, the body was either something that would, it was a tool to be used um, to experience certain things that you could only get in this life before you died and were reincarnated. So, um, you know, experience as much as you can, um, you know, collect experiences and that might mean treating your body really terribly at the same time too, the body is a a prison, a fleshy crude prison where Mm -hmm. our higher spiritual selves are trapped in. And so we try to have to escape it. So, uh, certain disciplines or, or aesthetic practices that would keep me from eating very much, that was a good thing because then I was becoming more disciplined and growing spiritually there. So it's, it's really at odds with it, either way, either I'm using the body in a utilitarian sense, mm-hmm. or I'm um, hating the body because it is my prison here on earth. You're not going to like yourself yeah. <laughs> very much. Yeah. So, um, and, and that lasted for a long time. And then I became an atheist and wow, I really, I mean, all there was, was the physical stuff. And so if I right. looked at my body in the mirror and didn't like the way it looked, that was a big problem. Yeah. Finally, yeah. Finally though, of course, you know, as I found when I converted to Catholicism, all of the thrash and uncertainties that I had over the, over the years, uh, all the questions, they all got answered very perfectly. 
by Catholicism. And if you believe that Jesus Christ founded this church and the Holy Spirit continues to guide it, then of course, all the, all your questions would be answered here. But then I found that the body and the soul are composite. We are, uh, you know, we are in soul bodies. It's all good. God made it to be good. Whether we can see the spiritual part or we're looking at the, the physical part, it's all one. Uh, and then really getting to understand uh, theology of the body. And, mm-hmm. and continuing to study that um, made me realize that the, the body is, is good and God sees it as that, even if all the things that I have taken in all over my whole life, magazines and movies yeah. and whatever else tells me it's not, um, there's this unchanging, ever-loving God who says it is. And there's good reasons for it with you know, our theological and philosophical traditions. So being able to get some really smart people and really smart theologians and philosophers to lay out yeah. what it means to, uh, you know, for our bodies and souls to be one finally made me start to realize like, oh, okay, again, just because I see my body, the way I'm looking at my body in a mirror, isn't the way God sees me or the way he made me to see myself. Mm-hmm. So it, it took a lot of healing. Actually, um, there's a Catholic writer, uh, Emily Stimson Chapman, who wrote who very similar I was reading her book she is one she has many but it's called the Catholic Mm -hmm. table and um yeah I think I listened to your episode with her okay yeah yeah, that was one of the early ones from a few years ago uh she very similar very competitive about her anorexia like how little can I eat today you know yeah (laughs) uh, yeah. I was reading I was like yeah yeah that was me Mm -hmm. Uh, and she found a lot of healing and going deeper into her Catholic faith as well specifically um in the Eucharist and seeing here is food. We are being fed by Christ himself. How can it yeah. be bad? Yeah. I think especially theology of the body is so like moving for people who are like confused as to why their body looks a certain way or frustrated with, with their mm-hmm. body the way it is. How do you break that down for like a teenager though? Hmm. Um, I know there's so many good teenager yet. I know. (laughs) I don't. Uh, No, I'm still in the midst of littles. Uh, Yeah, I I would say. I mean, there's so many good resources for uh, uh, theology of body, specifically for teenagers. I I believe Christopher West might be a really good resource on that. And then also uh, a friend of mine who's uh, she goes under the handle Modern Catholic Mom. She used to go around giving talks around the country to teenagers, specifically high schoolers on theology of body. Mm-hmm. And we, we did, it's actually one of my most popular episodes is theology of the body, how to teach theology of body to children. Um, and it is, it is so difficult because it's so countercultural. Um, yeah. You know, we're not just these things to please or to hate or to use because we've become a very utilitarian and sensual culture. Um, but there is a higher calling that God has made each of us to be at the same time, God loves us exactly as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, it, for dismantling to, to actually understand theology of the body you also have to dismantle. I think it can, it, it can be done simultaneously, but dismantle all the lies. Cause I mean, we've all been told so many lies yeah. <laughs> over yeah. the years. And unfortunately it's very challenging, um, in the teen years or in adolescence, once you, um, once you get a belief and get a, you know, a little mini culture of your own with your friends or whatever it is, it can be hard to get out of that um, and, and move past that mindset. So uh, fill your heads with good things now. Yeah, <laughs> read, yeah. Just go back and read the original test, either Theology of Body, that's a collection of writings from St. John Paul II, or read Humana Vitae, which is also, I mean, as you know, just a good understanding of 
the complementarity of men and women and what our bodies were designed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, uh, it really is just to try to put aside all the things we've been told and read it with an open mind. Uh, Cause otherwise it's, it's, it's just, it, the culture hates it rightly so, because it, it makes us love ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was just thinking from like the parents perspective, right? Like if I am a mom, which I am, but I have a one-year-old. So, <laughs> um, but, but like, if I have a teenager and, you know, you hear your teenager say like, Oh, I hate myself or like, I hate my body or mm. why do I look this way? Like, I remember saying those things and my mom being like, I love how you look like you're so beautiful, you know, like that kind of comment. But at least for me, like those comments and for most of my patients, like they don't really come through to the patients. Is there any advice you'd give to parents as to like something slightly different to say that might resonate? I thought about this because, uh, you know, I was raised, my parents were former Catholics and they raised me without any religion. Mm-hmm. And so I wound up, I, I've been thinking back, you know, if I was raised with uh, the 10 commandments say versus just yeah. my parents telling me, don't do this because you're going to make us mad. Um, right. It's so subjective. And why should I listen to you? Because your opinions change, my opinions change. What I want to do right. changes. Do you always think I'm beautiful? Do you, uh, am I always going to look like this? Uh, you say it's nice, but that's your opinion, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But if we're, if we're rooting, um, you know, either our standards of living and uh, how we conduct our lives or um, how we accept our bodies in God himself rather than humans, which are, have fleeting opinions and things change. And um, I I don't know, I I would, I would possibly, uh, I I would think looking back at my own experience, maybe if somebody, you know, I grew up in the Bible belt and I had a lot of, um, a a lot of Christians telling me, you know, Jesus loves you. And I was like, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know anything about Jesus. That doesn't mean anything to me. (laughs) You know, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Cool. You know, I don't know who he is, but that's cool. And I walked into a get ice cream last night and I mean, yeah, I believe in Jesus and that's great. But the woman scooping ice cream had a, had a hat that said like FBI Jesus. And I was just so confused. I guess it means like firm believer in Jesus. Uh, I asked her. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. That was random, but <laughs> yeah, it's just like these, like these little, like uh, little phrases about Jesus catchphrases. You're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he sounds like a caricature of something like this, your best buddy, um, yeah. which is not the Lord. Um, so I, I think maybe, um, you know, explaining, well, gosh, I just going personally, if I was a parent going back and reading theology of the body myself, and becoming more familiar with that. And also looking at um, resources because many have been written and good ones like the Christopher West stuff on Mm -hmm. the of the body for teenagers. Um, And then rooting it in, you know, God, God made you just as you are. I I got a lot of like, you're beautiful or you're just going through puberty, you know, wait till you get, you'll, you'll you'll tall and you'll lengthen out and all be fine. You'll lean out. Um, But that didn't really happen. (laughs) Uh, so so i kept waiting for some like a a magical like swan moment and it just it never happened but as if there's like an end to puberty you know like there's not like a specific end so you're just like right suddenly you're transformed you wake up and you look beautiful yeah Yeah. uh and and just as you thought you would if you were given the cover of a magazine or something uh but rooting it in you know god created you just the way you are and he loves you just the way you are i was actually at um 
a women's conference, a women's a Catholic women's conference a few weeks ago. And one of the speakers was a, a religious sister from Sisters of Life. And oh, they do awesome. wonderful work with helping, um, you know, uh, um, uh, crisis pregnancies and, um, and just giving women and if they have the children, their support that they need. And they're so joyful. They're just young and they have, they look healthy and they've got rosy cheeks and they're just so yeah. happy and peaceful. And um, I mean, there were probably 500 women in that room and the sister was just saying how much God loves each and every one of us. He's the father that loves us. I don't think anybody was not crying because it's just something that we need to hear with conviction. Yeah. And we don't always like, I love you. Yeah. Okay. But human, that's great. That's wonderful. A parent's love for a child is uh, the bedrock of their lives. But, you know, as we grow older, we realize that we change and our opinions and our feelings change and we can see that we fluctuate, but to hear with real conviction and belief that there's a father who loves you, you're beautiful, you, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I know I needed that reminder and I've been healed of this stuff. Um, yeah. but I, how many other women are still in the throes of hating themselves for whatever reason it is, whether it's right. the way their body looks or the, you know, the, their marriages or home life or whatever. Um, yeah, there's something there, I think in rooting the, the truth about, you know, why somebody is great. It, it, it's not just the opinion of a parent, even though it's very influential and very, very important. Um, but also rooting it to the eternal, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. That's, that's really good advice. Um, something you said reminded me of like when I was recovering from my eating disorder or like probably still totally in it, but like, you know, on the way there, um, I have three brothers and one of them, you know, they're very blunt, like the boys, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no beating around the bush. So one of them said to me, like, uh, well, I don't know how to say this to you, but you know, you have wide hips because you're supposed to have kids and they look good to men. So <laughs> it's good. It's all good. And I was like, blushing like I am now and like I like because I was like you know a teenager and my 20 something year old brother is like you have wide hips and they look good um but it really actually hit me more than anything that my parents had said because it was real you know and it felt like oh that's like a fact that we can go off of right you were made this way yeah, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's like, a reason and there's a reason like there's a reason God made <laughs> you a real reason right yeah. like to have babies rather than just like because, look a certain way in a bathing suit or yeah. Yeah. Or like your genetics or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, so going back to sort of the start of all this, like what place do you think religion um, holds in recovering from eating disorders or mental illnesses to begin with? Well, you know, my, my husband still struggles with generalized anxiety. So we mm -hmm. are in the the throes of this still. I mean, it comes in waves and uh, yeah. I've never actually had to I had depression around the same time that I uh, had anorexia. I was, I was in uh, depression. So mm -hmm. I get that. I know depression, anxiety was a new one for me when my husband and I got together. Um, and we also, he was an atheist at the time and we converted to Catholicism around the same time. Um, and so, uh, and then I still was had all my hangups about what the body was actually for. And that bled out to all sorts of areas of my life, not just the way I looked at food. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I would say, I mean, they're still suffering we still yeah. struggle, right? That our uh, conversion to 
Catholicism didn't magically make my husband's anxiety go away. Um, yeah. He doesn't need to pray more. You know, it's just, this is, this, this is a, yeah, it's not like he's just going to suddenly, if he just prays two hours a day, he'll finally be healed of it. Yeah. This, is a, this is a cross that the Lord's asked him to bear and mm-hmm. me to bear with him. And, um, and I've had significant healing in the way I look at my body and the way I, I, I know what it's created for mm-hmm. um, and how it's supposed to relate to a man in, in the context of marriage and all of that stuff. I've had lots of healing, but not again, not everybody has it. However, it has given us both um, in all the struggles, whether it is a mental illness issue or dealing with um, family members with addictions, Uh, our own uh, everyday struggles. The faith has given us a foundation on which to rest, um, knowing that we're not struggling in vain. God has given us these crosses. And even if we don't heal from them, maybe we don't ever heal from them in this life. It's possible, Um, but God may lift them. We don't know, but we can trust. And that's the whole point is giving it all, laying it at the foot of the cross giving it back to Jesus, which again, this sounds very funny as I'm saying this, because like 15 years ago, I probably would have rolled my eyes at anybody saying this to me. But yeah. It, it really, and like it really most does. of my listeners are yeah. probably not, you know? Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's so challenging because I get yeah. it. You know, like I, I, I was anti-Catholic and anti-Christian for a super long time. And I didn't believe in anything for a number of years as well. Yeah. But so having gone through life without belief in a Christian God, And then, uh, and really the new age stuff was, um, it's very self-sufficient and you have to do all the work yourself. That's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then not believing in any purpose. Well, that's terrifying too. Finally getting to Christianity and specifically Catholicism. Um, you know, there's the, uh, the, the, you know, yoke yourself to me, God says, you know, the, the burden is easy and it's true. Uh, and I, I didn't, I would never have gotten it before I converted but there is just this understanding that you are giving it to the creator and sustainer of the universe to help you through. And when you do that, you're not doing it alone anymore because God gives you stuff back to handle it. So I am naturally not a patient person. I gravitate more towards justice than I do mercy. However, yeah. so, so my husband's anxiety at the beginning was really frustrating for me. I, I did not under, just snap out of it. You know, that's really helpful. I didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. But now I that do, um, yeah. I've spent more time with him and learning about all this stuff. And then I've also leaned more and learned more about my own vulnerabilities and weaknesses and leaned more on the Lord. Um, I've, I've been able to grow in certain areas of my life that I never would have thought possible, like being more patient or merciful towards yeah. others and, and being more, um, uh, being more permissive to myself of my own weaknesses and not judging others for theirs. Yeah. So I, without, I can say this very, very honestly, because without, um, without faith, because I had it for such a long time, I don't know that we would have made any positive changes. I probably still would hate my body. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I probably would, I, I would have a completely continued to have a po- completely misaligned view of uh, the body and soul together or the body, you know, but just what it's here for. <laughs> so, um, the faith, the faith for myself and I know for my husband has been critical and, and we would yeah. have been stuck and, uh, a, a rotten pit <laughs> otherwise of just yeah. self-hatred. 
And hearing you talk about that makes me think a lot about, you know, parents or siblings or other people supporting someone with an eating disorder, like needs their own support, right? Like, and having, you know, God to pray to and to talk with and to ask for help from, you know, like is so important um, for them too. Like one thing that I'm constantly saying to parents is like, get your own help. <laughs> like yeah, you, you need, true. need to get help too. I mean, that's, that's why they have yeah. support groups for alcoholics, family members, right? This is very yeah. important. Caregivers need caregivers. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. I've been able to just um, listen along, say with the anxiety stuff, listen along to some of the tapes that my husband listens to. So I better understand it. I've mm-hmm. talked to a couple of therapists, so I better understand anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, you know, just praying for my husband and yeah. Um, and, and leaning on all, on tough times, uh, just leaning on God and knowing that he's asked me to pick up my cross, like he picked up his. And uh, so it's hard, you know, there's certain things that are very challenging in dealing with mental illness on an ongoing basis, but um, the burden is, it's not, it's not easy, but it's simplified. Mm-hmm. The, the faith simplifies what we ought to be doing for our loved ones when they are in the midst of something or if we're struggling as well. Good, I really love that way you put it. Um, what way do you think religion like can be brought up in medical settings or in like health settings? I know it's hard. We, we t- kind of talked about this before we hit record. Like, unless you say something, you know, is it weird? Um, I, I think um, I, I, one of the most powerful things, even before I considered Christianity, was people who were just very confident with um, with talking about their faith or just mentioning like, oh, you know, I prayed this morning and blah, 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 or mm-hmm. the Lord just really wants me to be here today or whatever it is. And they would just, the, it would just roll off their tongues, how much they just yeah. believe it was just part of them. And mm-hmm. I think there's so much evangelization that be, can be done even mm-hmm. in that, like you see somebody who is a, a professional in something and respected and they're giving you help and they will, um, they will just kind of not nonchalantly, but kind of nonchalantly just because it's so part of their person mention their faith just in conversation mm-hmm. rather than trying to hide it. Yeah. I think it goes a, a, a longer way than we probably think. At least it did for me. Cause I always wanted, yeah. even though I ne- I didn't really want to be Christian for a long time. Um, I always wanted what faithful Christians seem to have, which was this just assurance and faith in God. And they were just, it was just very easy the way they talked. You could just tell there was a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That actually really reminds me of like, two different things. One, you know, I grew up in a very Catholic family and, you know, it was just normal to say like, you know, I'm praying for you, right? Like, or I'll pray for you. Mm-hmm. But then when you say that, like a work environment, it's like, it can be really awkward, right? Cause like, you're like, oh, I'll pray for you. And then they're like, what? Like, what, what do you think is wrong with me? You know, that kind of thing. And so like, I and others I know had transitioned to saying things like best wishes or, um, you know, like I'll be thinking about you, like those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's important for medical professionals like to make an effort to, to not, you know, throw those things away and actually say them so that if your patient does, you know, connect with it, they, they know they can talk to you about it. Yeah, I got to say, I, um, our, our family doctor is Catholic. And, um, and it's just such a breath of fresh air. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, I mean, he has seven children and, you know, we have five, you know, our fifth is on the way just to go into a doctor's office and not, um, Oh, feel like I'm, you know, eyes are narrowing. I mean, you have how many children, how many more do you think you're going to have, or, or just to have the, the, uh, 
the doctor now that he knows I, I you know I, I went to him specifically because he's Catholic because I, I actually his wife was on my podcast a couple of years ago and I so found funny. out it's like that's an odd last name I wonder if it's the same one and it, it yeah. yeah so we wound up going to him but just um it's just it it makes me feel at ease so if you have a, a patient or you're working with somebody who might be Christian or the same faith as you um that might that's a barrier that comes down in a connection well really important connection point Yeah. And that's something maybe for parents to think about, like when finding a therapist, you know, find someone that can connect with your child or you, you know, on all of those levels. Um, Yeah, definitely. When I have patients who will be like, oh, I like got, I did my challenge meal with my friends after church. And I'm like, oh, like we have something to talk about here. Like, (laughs) Like, good. You can always do it after church. And we, I know that there's that, you know, connection. Very cool. Um, Yes. And the, com- the community too. I mean, to, to be able to tap into a faith a, a yeah, faith community when you're healing from something is, is yeah. just very important as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, are there any like specific resources you would recommend just about mental illness and Catholicism or, or Christianity? Uh, the one that, I mean, I really liked just in particular for, um, anorexia was Emily Stimson Chapman's book, the Catholic okay, Table. Great. I really like that one. Um, there's also, I know, uh, finding and maintaining peace. And I can't think of who that's written by. It's a really short book. Okay. Um, there's a really great book and it's very pastoral and, um, it was written in the 1920s or thirties, but it is and a, by a priest and I can't, um, father Remler, I think it's why must I suffer? Mm-hmm. And that's just a really good one too, just to understand, yeah. you yeah. know, why we continue to suffer. Um, there's like 11 different reasons as to why, um, and, and maybe, you'll find some peace in that. I, I know since I've read that book, I don't know all the time, you know, okay, I'm suffering here because of this particular reason, but at least I can know that there are reasons for my suffering in the midst of Not it. Like purposeless. Yeah. Right. Which is that leads to despair. So anything yeah. that can get you out of despair. So why that's a good one as well. Yeah. I think that's really important to remember for parents. Like I have so many patients who are teens or in college who are like just so stuck in that despair. Like there's no why and there's no reason for anything. You know, it's just this, you know, timelessness. It's so depressing. Like even engaging in the conversation with them, you're like, oh my God. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, soul sucking that, that despair can be. And especially if you don't have a long view or you really don't believe say in in eternity, um, despair can, I, I know, cause I was an atheist for a long time. It, it is, uh, it rots, it writes all the good parts. So to try yeah. to get rid of despair is, is very, very important. Yeah. And I wonder even like how to approach that without any foundation, right? Like- That's tough. I don't know. Cause I, the only thing that brought me out of atheism and that sense of despair was that I was finally, I was just tired of it when I was finally yeah. ready for something. I, I was, ready to be hopeful that there would be a hope for something mm-hmm. but that took a long time and that I don't know that's yeah uh, that's a tough personal tough. <laughs> yeah. So hard. yeah is there any ad- other advice or thoughts you would give to your former self or to your parents when you were hmm. um I know my parents had a really hard time they didn't uh I think uh mental illness doesn't look the same I mean of course there's all different types of diagnoses and issues mm-hmm. But even from person, yeah, even from person to person, my parents, my mom had a history of depression, but her depression looked very different from mine. And they just didn't know how to, I was still getting straight A's and I was still socializing and they couldn't understand 
Yeah, they're like, you she's know, not locked in her room. Yeah, but- I'm not locked in my room. <laughs> um, uh, I just like, yeah, it's just, there's other issues. So I think um, as a parent, um, and I know, uh, I know my husband's family, there's ones of them that would just say, oh, snap out of it. Uh, I think yeah, trying just to- eat. Is yeah, just I eat. Hear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, great. All right. That's helpful. Uh, that would have just made me not eat at all. Oh yeah? yeah. See how, see how little I can eat, you know? Right. Um, I think learning more, you know, taking the time to learn about the, the mental illness yourself and, mm-hmm. um, and trying to be as compassionate as possible, because I'm, I am sure that, um, that the people who are suffering don't want to suffer like that. They don't want to suffer and they can't just snap out of it and they yeah. would, if they could. They don't right. want to, you know, most of most of uh, us who have dealt with this stuff don't want to stay there. Not really. Right. Um, even if we're frustrated that, you know, we're not, we don't look exactly the way we want to yet or, or whatever. I, I'd highly doubt if given the chance to be healthy and, and whole again, most people would say, yeah, I'll take that option. Mm-hmm. So I think getting to know the, the mental illnesses and, and just realizing it might not be the textbook that you would expect, but that doesn't mean it's not there. Not real. Yeah. And I, think it's important to remember that, you know, even though there are times where, you know, someone with anorexia is like, yeah, I don't want to eat and I don't want to gain weight and that sort of stuff. It doesn't mean they don't want to get better, right. at least in part of them. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, nobody wants to feel sick all the time, either mentally or physically. Yeah. Usually, yeah. usually. Uh, I mean, there, yeah. there could be other issues. There could yeah. be other issues. I had one that, yesterday but. tell me like, she just wanted to go back to the hospital. And I was like, well, you know, Okay. There's only, there's only so much I can say, right? Yeah. That's the other part. But there's, yeah, I mean, there's, these aren't, um, there's usually uh, many, many reasons why somebody has whatever they're dealing with. It's, it's uh, what the the donkey and Shrek, like there's, there's layers, there's always layers. (laughs) So it's hard. I mean, yeah, Yeah. just, and also, also, I guess, um, to my former self, I don't know. I I wish I could have just said snap out of it. I don't (laughs) I know like don't waste your time on this right like you want to say that I think about that all the time looking back on myself or patients have said this to me like looking back a year or two later like why didn't I just stop and it's like well that's what your parents have been wondering the whole time (laughs) yeah yeah who who knows I mean the only thing that ever stopped me from the anorexia was I got I I was in the hospital for something unrelated I mean related but not that yeah. Uh, and it just, it made me realize that I had put myself in a really, my body in a really vulnerable position. And I, I ate Got for the scared. first time. Yeah. I was scared. Yeah. And I ate for the first time, whatever the hospital gave me and it was grilled cheese and Pepsi and I was <laughs> eating it and I couldn't believe it. I didn't care. I didn't I care. Like during a hospital grilled cheese, like having worked in a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what, to me, cause I had been eating nothing. It's probably great. Oh, it was great. It was great. I like, I still have nostalgic feelings for those grilled cheese <laughs> sandwiches, which is so, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, to my former self, I don't know. Um, I, I probably, um, I would probably just hand the theology of body book to, to myself. Like, read yeah, it. That's good. That's good. Don't hate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Give myself a book to read rather than wagging my finger. Yeah. And and never that brings me sort of back to, you know, with the hips comment from my brother, like for so many of my patients and parents should know this too, like so many people, it's wanting to have a baby that helps them recover because they're like another purpose, right? Right. Oh, like I want to have a baby. And to do that, I need to like be eating enough and yeah. And 
all of those things. Yeah, it draw. Yeah, it brings us back to what we're made for, what we desire. Even if society tells us you don't need it, well, yeah, you only want. Longer, you know. Yeah, we still our our body or you know we're still designed a certain way, yeah. and it draws us out of ourselves. You know, I, I know so many women who said I was finally brave, or I was I finally felt like a a really a real adult when I had a, a child. Yeah, because it, it draws you out of yourself, and you do have to rise to the challenges. Yeah. Um, and it, it gives you a greater purpose and a love that, you know, you wouldn't have known otherwise. So, yeah, I don't know. It just, there's something else that flows with the, the whole, the, the, that motherhood connection. There's something else that kind of opens up. Definitely. So I know you have to go to first communion rehearsal. rehearsal? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, it's, they're getting their first reconciliation today. Oh, okay. Two two of my older ones are really close in age. So, oh, okay. Hopefully Um, they should, they should be ready to go. They should. (laughs) Good. Uh, so my last question that I ask everyone is just, what's your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food. My husband will laugh at this because he says it's not fair. It's salad. And I know this sounds weird, but he's like, you can't, I was like, well, you can put steak and potatoes on salad. So yeah, salad's my favorite. Food. I, I don't know why lettuce with some fat slapped on it is for whatever reason. But also I like to throw a lot of cheese and, and olive oil and, and steak on it sometimes. So well, that's a new one. We've never had anyone say salad. Great. Great. And chocolate and chocolate mousse. So how and coconut cream pie. All right. There's the, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, thanks for taking time to speak with me and hopefully they enjoy their first reconciliation. Yeah. Thank you very much, Julie. It was great. 